While they're going, I just want to say that uh, well aware that Tim has been really uh, working hard at the ARC as well, part of his job for City Mission, but part of it is just for us. And uh, he's had a, a number of helpers this week. And Jack and uh, Phil and Jono, well done, thank you. Uh, Phil was here earlier, but I think he just read out, so <laughs> he knew I was going uh, to highlight him. It's also good to see Lucy Cogger. Stand up, Lucy. Just so everyone knows who you are. Been away at uh, YWAM for a while. I hope, I don't know how long you're back. I'm not going to embarrass her, but it's good to have you here. I just, uh, I'll get to what I had planned in a moment, but I just was, again, overwhelmed at the fact that what Jesus does when he transforms us and changes us. Uh, As we were singing, Jesus is the center of my life, I realized that for about over 50 years now, Jesus has been the center of my life, and I am the most blessed person in the world. And it doesn't mean everything always goes exactly how I think it should, but he's in charge, and he's faithful. And I have thousands and thousands of testimonies of his faithfulness, his direction, his provision. Uh, We're going to actually talk about faithfulness this morning, but I wanted to start there. God is faithful. There's something about faithfulness in relationship that is key. It's not that he just provides but he's faithful to us. He's committed to us. He's faithful in relationship. That was an aside. We've been talking uh, last week. I told you I wanted to take a couple of weeks and kind of digress from where we've been going to just revisit some foundation things as we're looking at at transitioning to a a new facility. The facility is not the, the key. The presence of God is the key. But it just sometimes it's good to just revisit some things. Uh, in the bigger picture, that what God's called us to do is that we're equipping saints for ministry. And so that's kind of some of the background. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 16. And then let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation of who you are, your ways, your pattern. We recognize that you've revealed yourself and your ways in your word and we receive that. We also receive your Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. And so we say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today through the word? In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 16 from verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in what is another's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. 
Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll also be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Then if you turn over to chapter 19, he tells us another parable very similar. It has to do with uh, giving manus to his servants. But in verse 16, and when the first, then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. They said to him, well done, good servant, because you have, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. And he goes through all of them and then he concludes with verse 26. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have even what he has will be taken from him. I want to put these two together and realize this. God looks at faithfulness. And there's four different expressions or progressions of faithfulness there. There's the least, the little, another's, and then true riches. And I want to take a look at that in a moment, but before I do, because this is just my personality and I want to take a look at the, the bigger context. And that is that the Bible is very clear that when God made us, he made us for relationship with him. And then he gave us, gave mankind, his authority, rulership over the planet. So he made us for relationship and rulership. We're made in his image so that we can have relationship. Then he gave us authority so that we can have impact. So you could say it in, in another alliteration. He made us for intimacy and impact. And that continues even after the fall. We see the whole story of God restoring both relationship and rulership. Both were lost at the fall. God's restoring relationship. That's what salvation is all about. It's all by his grace. Jesus was the sacrifice. He took sin upon himself, our sin, so that we could be righteous. Not just so that we would be right, but so that we could come back into God's presence. That was the whole goal. We can't earn it, we don't deserve it. It was done by Jesus on the cross, we receive it, but it's all of grace. But the other side of that coin is that he also wants to restore rulership or impact that we partner with him for the extension of his kingdom in the earth. That side of the equation requires some things like hearing his voice, being obedient, walking in step with the Spirit, doing what he says. We don't do that in order to earn salvation. That's already done. But in that place of relationship, we then get to partner with him for the purpose of having an impact in seeing his kingdom's value restored. You still with me? You guys all know this because I preach this. It's in that context of partnering with God, impact, 
that God looks for faithfulness. And if we don't recognize those two, much of the church has gotten into problems in that we think it's only relationship, and therefore when we understand it's grace, we then throw out of the Bible anything that talks about obedience or walking in step with the Spirit, or we take those things and we make them works by which we earn God's favor. And it's neither. Relationship is all that Jesus has done. We're being been made right so that we can be restored to relationship. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we could become the righteousness of God, not because God was just looking for right people, but because our sin made a separation between us and him. And he loved us so much, he wanted us restored. But then the other side of that is that as we partner with him, there's things he expects. He expects us to grow, I shared last week. He expects us to mature. He expects us to walk in obedience. He expects us to be led by the Spirit. And he expects faithfulness. He looks for that. So the first one, faithfulness with the least. From the scripture, the context is very clear that that refers to money. It's interesting that God says, thinks money is the least. How much of the world thinks it's the most important? Much of the world thinks money is more important than people. Corporations want profits more than over people. Yet God says it's the least. Why do we even have it? Because it's something that God can entrust to us, that he can test our faithfulness without it actually risking a human life. Think about that. So why is it important? Let me say this. In coming to Jesus, we die to ourselves. We don't live for ourselves, we live for him. That's what baptism is all about. Baptism is dying to self, being buried to our own life, and rising to walk a new life with Jesus. So then everything I have is his. 1 Corinthians 6 19, the end of 19 and 20 says, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'll glorify him. Uh, Elaine was telling me this morning of a poem that she had had, that she's had for years of, uh, in the poem, it's someone's, it was a, what was the car? It was consecrated, consecrated car that maybe they can't do a whole lot, but they can always make themselves available to uh, provide a ride for people. But in a sense, everything we have is consecrated. Our life, everything we own, and that includes our money. And so God has a pattern regarding resources, regarding money. He's our source. And he entrusts to us for kingdom purposes. Let me tell you, God doesn't, is not committed to making your life luxurious. He's committed everything you need for life and godliness. 
They'll always be sufficient if you're walking in his purposes. He entrusts us for, to the, for kingdom purposes. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. This is only getting to where I really want to get to, but from verse 19. You guys know this, but let me just read it to you again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is Jesus speaking. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he saying? He's simply saying he's entrusted what he has to us for kingdom purposes. And he expects us to be faithful with it. That's not a big deal, is it? That involves understanding God's pattern. I don't want to get into that this morning, but it involves tithes and offerings and all kinds of things. But in it, he tests our faithfulness with something that is relatively unimportant. I'm just going to stand here and stare at you for a few minutes. Money is not important, except it indicates are we committed to God's purposes? Let me reiterate, what you do with money has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. You don't have to give, you don't have to be generous, you don't have to see God as your source to come to him and be saved. And anytime someone ties how you deal with money into salvation, they moved away from grace into works. So it has nothing to do with that, but it does have to do with how much God is willing to entrust in you of that which is eternal. If you can't handle that, who's going to entrust to you true riches? Ooh, okay. From there it goes to faithful with little. I think that is just yourself. Are you faithful with what God's doing in you? Are you a doer of the word and not a hearer only? See, we have to understand that God's word applies to us before it applies to other people. If I'm not living it, then I have no right to tell somebody else. You know that old saying that, that they say, parents say to kids all the time? Do what I say, not what I do. It's not a kingdom expression. Actually, God says, do what I do. The problem is, you're going to catch what I have, not what I say. So if I, ha if I don't have a love for Jesus... When it comes to worship, you're not going to catch that from me. You might catch it from the rest of the team, but you won't catch it from me. No matter how much I talk about worship, you won't catch that. 
Are you being transformed? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you becoming obedient to his word and his spirit? Does it apply to you? Is the fruit of self-control growing in your life? Very quiet in here this morning. Somebody's cough or sneeze or something. Say, yeah, amen. But not giving it, are you, are you self-controlled enough because of the spirit that you're not giving in to the temptations of the world? You're not giving in to the flesh. If you're not, why would God entrust someone else to you? Okay, I'm getting excited here. Then if we're faithful in the least and faithful with the little as ourself, God goes on and says, are we faithful with another's? What is another? I think it has to refer to, it refers to other people. I think there's something of God's heart. The question is, do you care beyond yourself? Do you care for others? Do you see others' needs? Can God entrust a bigger picture to you? Do you serve and minister to others? Or do you only come to church for what you get out of it? You know, there's 41 another's in the New Testament. God's looking, are we faithful? Are we faithful in the least? Are we faithful with the little? Are we faithful with another's? And then he goes on and says, then he wants to entrust to us true riches. What are true riches? Guys, it's actually eternal souls. That's true riches. It's the gospel Preaching the gospel, the good news, with signs and wonders confirming. How often do we want signs and wonders? But it's all about us. I want more miracles because I don't want to ever be sick. No matter how I've treated my body all my life. But God calls it confirmation of the good news. Will he find us trustworthy, faithful, that he can entrust his people for us to disciple? Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath because it sounds like I'm preaching to you. This does apply to us, but it applies to us together as a church. Are we faithful in the least? Are we faithful with money? We've had the uh, ability, the privilege of providing the chairs and the sound system and the screen for the ark as a gift to City Mission. Even though we're going to use it, it's actually, we've given it as a gift to City Mission. So if we actually end up leaving there someday or cease to exist as a church, those don't go with us, they stay there which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, We're able to do that without putting pressure on you because many of you have already given faithfully. 
You've been very faithful in giving. But the other side of the coin is that we've been faithful in not spending more than, than we had. We actually had been saving. So we were getting quite a bit. So we actually give this stuff to City Mission and then we pay them rent for the privilege of using it. Someone would say, is that good business? No, but it's kingdom. I was at a church in uh, Denver and the the church was actually, the the week I was there, they were uh, announcing that they were going to help another church that had been declining for a number of years, replant, relaunch. And they as a church had saved money and they were investing $200,000 to fix up the building and they were gonna pay for a pastor to come in and they were gonna help this church replant. The church had come to them and said, would you, could, could our facility become a site of your church? And they said, no, we don't believe in sites. That's not in the Bible. But because they were Baptist, in this process, they had it all drawn up legally with a contract with the lawyer. And they're sitting with the lawyer explaining what they're doing and getting it all drawn up. And the lawyer's saying, I'm not sure that I understand this. And they said, uh, okay, you're putting this money in and you're paying them and then that's great. And then, but... In, in order to do this, they're giving you the deed of the building, but you're giving it back to the church as soon as they're able to, to uh, cover their own costs. Yeah, okay. And then when are they paying you back the 200000 you've invested? Oh, they're not. And the lawyer looked at the pastor and said, that's weird. He said, you understand exactly. <laughs> that's kingdom. Why are we able to do that? Because God calls us to be faithful. But for us as a church, are we also faithful with a little, which is ourselves? Are we building God's way? See, we're very much trying and committed to being fully word and fully spirit. We're building God's way. Not man's way, not business model, not what someone else says, not what has been successful. What does God say? We're committed to seeing that. But in addition to that, I think God expects us to be faithful with another's, helping other churches build God's way. Not owning other churches, not in any way taking control of other churches, but actually as a gift, helping them build God's way. Now, that doesn't mean we help every church because we want churches that are building God's way. So, as you were, if you were here last week, we were pray for and launched Lance and Christine and the group with them to start uh, Southland's Lighthouse. I'm not sure what happened. I had heard this week that that they weren't able to use the facility and they were actually being delayed for a week. So they would be starting next week, even as we've been delayed for a week, which struck me as funny because I was talking to a pastor this week from uh, Sydney, uh, from outer suburbs, and they had, lo- had lost their facility, they told me a-, a couple months ago before I went to the States. So I called them the other day to find out what was happening and they're actually moving into a new facility uh, that-, that they're renting with another church in the afternoon next week. 
And I thought, wow, there's a whole lot happening next week. I don't, I don't know if there's anything spiritual in that, but I just found it interesting that there was something of that happened. But, but where it's all Jesus' church. It's his kingdom. So I'm going to ask you if you would do me a favor right now. Could you stand for a moment? Because I'd like to pray for Southland Lighthouse, and I'd like to pray for One Hope Church in, uh, in Campbelltown. And I'd like you to just grab two or three other people. Well, just, you've been so quiet. Everyone looked like you were about to fall asleep, so I had to get you on your feet so you could pray. Grab two or three other people and just pray. Take about a minute, and let's just pray for those guys, for those churches, because that's part of God's plan. He expects us to care beyond ourselves. We're not building a church. We're not trying to grow a church. We're trying to partner with him to advance his kingdom. So go ahead and pray. I'll shut up for a moment. Lord, we just acknowledge and we thank you. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. You're moving. Lord, as we were singing, that you would blow, that there's something of a moving of your spirit, an outpouring of your spirit. Lord, we pray for these churches and all the churches across the city, that they would experience that same outpouring, that they would focus on you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. You thought I was finished. I'm not. False hope, sorry. Hope deferred makes the heart go, no. You're going downhill quickly, Russ. Let me just finish with, uh, not finish with that. The last thing is I believe God wants to entrust us as a church with true riches. Souls being saved for eternity. My expectation is to see hundreds and thousands of people come to Jesus. I had a dream before we moved here of literally tens of thousands of people getting saved. Not just so that we could grow a church. Our goal is not growing a church. Church growth is not our focus. Kingdom advancement is. That's why we're happy to send a team and send some finances with them and resource them to plant right here in the city. Because that they're not in competition with us. We're multiplying for the kingdom. That's our goal. And so in light of that, I, as I saw that picture, I saw tens of thousands of people getting saved in every church in the city being overrun. I asked Glenn for some of the prophetic words that were given to community church years ago who used to own the building that we'll be moving into. And one of the uh, words, and I think it, if I remember right, 
you can correct me afterwards if I'm not going. I think it was Graham Cook who, sh who shared a prophetic picture of hundreds and thousands of people streaming into that place. Not for a building, not for a church, but for the presence of God. While we were in the States, Mary had a dream. And she'd come into a building, and it was so packed she couldn't find a place to sit. And she went up to another level, another room, and it was packed. And people were packed in the stairwells. And uh, people, she looked out the window, and people were sitting on the rooftops of the buildings round about. And what hit her heart was that they were hungry for the presence of God. I believe God wants to entrust us with true riches. The greatest rich, the greatest treasure is his presence. And everything flows from that. We have a wonderful worship team. Tim has done a fantastic job in, in helping raise up the team and all the leaders, Michelle this morning, all the leaders that lead, all the team, and our focus is coming into God's presence. It's exalting Jesus. We don't do the latest and greatest songs all the time because we're not trying to please people. We're trying to please him. Luke 19, verse 26. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I believe what God's saying there is if we're faithful, he'll entrust to us more. And if we're not faithful, what he would entrust to us, he will give to someone else. That applies to you individually, and it applies to us as a church. We're very, very careful that we walk in step with the Spirit and in keeping with the Word. Because we want him to find us faithful and say, well done good and faithful servant. Would you bow your head? Just don't want you distracted by other people. We're touching some of the foundation things, but the most important thing is that God's heart is loving. He's not looking to disqualify us. He's always looking to qualify us. When he brings conviction, it's not because he's upset. It's simply saying, I'm wanting some adjustment made because I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare and for your good, to give you a future and a hope. But it's not just about us. It's about lost souls in the city and state that God wants to entrust. And so as he makes adjustments in us, would you just embrace those as the heart of a loving God? You are saved if you've come to know Jesus, and it doesn't matter what you do. God's not expecting anything growth in you for your salvation, but he is wanting to entrust his anointing and the signs and wonders that accompany the preaching of the word to us as individuals so that his kingdom can be advanced. And people can respond to the gospel. And Lord, as Isaiah, we simply say, here am I, send me. Here am I, use me. Here am I. 
Make the adjustments in me you need to make. Here am I. My time's not up. I'm still here to serve you. There's no retiring from the kingdom. There's no retiring from the call of God. But there is a sense of God gathering people and knitting us together for his purpose. And we simply say, God, here here am I. Father, I say that as an individual, but I say that for us as a church. Here we are. Use us. Lord, release resources, release people, release leaders that we can train and equip to multiply your kingdom and see churches planted, churches rebuilt and reestablished across the city and across the state. And in all that, we say it's only Jesus that's glorified. You're the violinist, and at best, we're a violin that you can make music out of. We don't ever want to applaud the violin. We applaud you, the master. But we say, Lord, we trust you. Have your way. If you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. If you need prayer for healing, we have some folks, I've asked them to to come to the front. Uh, Many of you are moving in that. Come and join us and pray. We want to do that every single week. We're going to keep pressing in to the supernatural. We want to continue to grow in faith. So we're going to keep doing that. But we're also going to keep preaching the gospel because that's the, the greatest miracle. And so, uh, let's stand. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the incredible worship time. Thank you for your presence, Lord. There was something on that of, I just sense your heart for the city, that you're wanting to breathe life to dry bones. You're wanting to pour out your spirit. And as we uh, sang that earlier, Lord, we say again, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit on us. Pour out your spirit on us as a church. Pour out your, your spirit on other churches and across this city that there be a hunger for Jesus and for the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, I want to just tell you thank you. I don't want to ever take for granted your blessing, but this facility has been a blessing. And Lord, it might not be what we'd like, uh, it might not have been perfect, but we've seen People get saved. We've seen people get filled with the Spirit. We've seen people get healed and lives transformed while we've been here. And we've been able to do it without having to be out in the rain. And so, Lord, we're we're grateful for all that you provide. We don't want to ever sound like we're we're unhappy. But, Lord, even as we're moving, as we're, we're packing up and ready to move to another facility, we recognize that there's something of your heart in that. We thank you for Steve's vision and city mission with a vision to redeem that place. And Lord, it's just, it, to me, it's not coincidental that Redemption Hills Church is moving into a place that you're redeeming its purpose with a heart to see people saved and an outpouring of your spirit. Lord, we realize it's not the building, it's your presence. But Lord, we, we are grateful for building so we're not out in the rain. And so we thank you for that building. And even as we 
are involved in all the stuff this afternoon and moving. We just pray your protection for everyone. Lord, that there'd be no accidents and there'd be no in the mud slipping or sliding or anything, but just watch over us. Lord, you're faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. You continue to be faithful. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.